Verbally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview-style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus. With producer Sanaa Marie, each week I'm joined by a featured guest with roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose the highs and lows of their pursuits, and how through their passion, they are moving the culture forward. Be sure to follow Verbally Effective and Ina Esco on Instagram. Also, download the Verbally Effective podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Don't forget to check out the website and submit to be a guest at verballyeffective.com. What's good? It's Big Sue, and I'm hanging out with my girl, Ina Esco. We're going to chop it up about everything. You hear me? Everything on the Verbally Effective Podcast. Hey, guys. This is April Talbert of Gabby Grace Boutique, hanging out in the studio with my girl, Ina Esco, on the Verbally Effective Podcast. When Jasmine Wilson first moved to Memphis, she didn't know what to expect. She knew she would have many opportunities in the city, but had no idea she would fall in love with both its soul and the people. Jasmine's natural leadership skills shone brightly long before she knew what to call them. From an early age, she fiercely pursued justice and equity. Whether as president of her high school's African-American club or now through her work with St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital, she has always been driven to care for her family, her community, and the world. For some time, Jasmine had a quiet tug on her heart to do and be more for the people she loves and the city she calls home. In 2018, with the love and support of family and friends, she ran for the District 30 seat of the State Executive Committee woman for the Tennessee Democratic Party. Jasmine won her first election, unseating a longstanding incumbent, and the real work began. Through her work with the Tennessee Democratic Party, she helped to advance efforts for fair and safe elections while working to elect candidates' values she believes in most. In the summer of 2020, she had the great honor of being chosen as a Biden-Sanders unity ticket delegate to the Democratic National Convention and was most recently elected as West Tennessee Vice Chair for the Tennessee Democratic Party. Verbally effective, your double E, Ina Esco here. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to yet another episode of the Verbally Effective Podcast. I just want to thank you guys for supporting the Ivy Multimedia merch line. You get in those hoodies those tees and those masks. I really appreciate you guys. Make sure you guys are following me on all social media platforms at Ina Esco, that's E-N-A-E-S-C-O, to get your merch. Click that link. Today, I am joined by the beautiful, beautiful Jasmine Wilson. She is a business coach, and she's also in the healthcare nonprofit industry, and she's in politics, West Tennessee Vice Chair for the Tennessee Democratic Party, also Tennessee Senate District. District 30 committee woman. How are you, Jasmine? Hi, Ina. I'm wonderful. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited to be Yes, and you look so beautiful today. You look so gorgeous on this morning. Um, 
So I'm going to kick it off how we always do on the podcast. Where are you from? You are not from Memphis. Where are you from, Jasmine? I am not. Um, so I think like any military kid, uh, you can claim a lot of places as home. So in general, I say I'm from Georgia. I was born and spent a lot of my early years in Columbus, Georgia. Um, I, I went to middle school and high school out west in Lakewood, Washington. Um, wow. Not D.C., the other side. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> And gotcha. then um, spent my college years and most of the time following in Atlanta, spent a year in Orlando, and then landed in Memphis um, about eight years ago. <laughs> Eight years ago. Okay, I got you. Let's go back to Georgia, Columbus, Georgia. How was it growing up in that particular area? And tell me about your family unit. Okay, yeah, sure. So um, my dad was in the military, in the Army. And if you know anything about the Army, uh, um, at some point in time in your career, you're going through to Columbus, which is where my mom was born and raised and where her family lives. And so that's where they met. Um, and that's where I was born. And the one thing I will say, you know, people are always like, Jasmine, you are so loud. And <laughs> that's the way I can describe my family, like my family growing up around, um, specifically my maternal side of the family. Everybody is loud and a little bit country in all the best ways um, and loud not only in the volume of our voices, but in our love and our care um, for each other and for our community. So um, I grew up in a multi-generational house with my great-grandfather, my cousins, my first cousins, a second cousin, a great aunt. Um, so really just spent a lot of my life like around folks that are now, you know, our ancestors and soaking up all of all of that wisdom, but also like always having somebody to play with to get in some mischief with yes. um, and, and have a good time. Wow. Yeah, I was about to say that's a lot of wisdom to be able to be around growing up some good advice, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> wow. So I do know that you attended Spelman College. Why did you choose to go to a HBCU and how did that come about? What did you major in? Tell me everything about Spelman. Yes. Um, so funny enough, like Spelman was the school that I, I decided in eighth grade, I'm going to Spelman. Oh, wow. Um, and I just, I, it was something about the school. Um, people are like, you want to go to a school with all girls? I'm like, yes, I, I want to go to Spelman. Um, and so I always wanted to go came time to apply for schools, you know, my mom, who's the, the reasonable person, she's like, you know, you should apply some other places. So I applied to, you know, all, all of the, the HBCUs, everyone knows, you know, Xavier, Howard, Hampton, um, but Spelman was the first one I heard back from, and it was my first choice. Um, and so being able to go there in what I call like the, the magic of um like time in Atlanta which is like early 2000s you know mm -hmm. like it was just a special time to to be in the city but to also be at Spelman and you know Spelman is is what I like to call Disney World for black women because yes. it is a place that's solely created for you to be the best that you can be 
Um, you know, so it was a place where I was uplifted, where I was affirmed and encouraged, but also challenged because it was not, um, it was not an, an easy um, time at all. And I majored in sociology and had um, the privilege of having professors who were also, you know, Spelman sisters who had previously graduated and practiced law and wrote books and then decided that they wanted to come back and pour into the next generation of leaders that were, were coming out of Spelman. So, yeah. Wow. Um, you know, you hear so many things about Spelman and like you mentioned, it's all women. Um, so how did their dynamic, you know, uh, play on entertaining the boys, maybe? Like, hey, did you entertain <laughs> the boys across the way over there? <laughs> well, yes. I mean, of course, Morehouse is diagonal across one mm-hmm. part of the and Clark Atlanta is right out of, you know, the back gate of Spelman. And so there were lots of opportunities to see men to see boys yeah they were always around yes (laughs) (laughs) there weren't very many like elective courses or foreign language classes that you walked into and there wasn't at least like you know a couple of guys who decided to to cross register and take the class at Spelman and I also had the opportunity to cross register and take a class at Clark Atlanta and of classes Morehouse. Um, so for for it being a all women's institution, I, I saw way more men than, than ah! you might think. <laughs> I had to ask, but I also know that you were in the choir, right? Tell me about that. Are you an alto soprano? What was going on with these vocals? Definitely an alto because church choir soprano Glee Club Soprano are not created equal. So, um, yeah, I sang in the Spelman College Glee Club for four years and, um, you know, gave up three spring breaks to travel the country with, um, you know, a a smaller group of our Glee Club on a spring tour. And honestly, if I could do it all over again, I would absolutely um, would make that sacrifice and be a part. Music is just such um, such a uniting force in general. You could have nothing in common with a person, and when that certain song plays, it's like you've like, known each other forever. Exactly. <laughs> it, it creates a vibe. It creates a special experience, and that's what the Glee Club was from singing, you know, gospel songs to hymns, classical choral music, like. It was just, it was an unforgettable experience. Um, And we got to perform with the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra. Um, Mm -hmm. We sang at one of the, um, one of the like Memorial Wake services when Coretta Scott King passed away. Um, And so there was just something so special about that experience and almost, you know, sacred in being able to to be able to share it with with you know the communities that that we performed in front of awesome now what did jasmine do once she graduated from spelman what was the what was going on in your life at that point so um i had the distinct privilege and honor of graduating in 2008 which is you know core housing
remember, you know, when I graduated, I, I wanted to be a PR girl. Um, that's what I wanted to do. And so I had interned um, with this woman who is still moving and shaking um, named April Love and was helping her with a bunch of stuff that she was working on, including the very first season she was representing um, Lisa Wu Hartwell at the time, who was a part of the first season of Real Housewives of Atlanta. So... <laughs> Okay, so Lisa Wu Hartwell. I remember when she was on Housewives of Atlanta, baby, because it was a lot of juicy gossip going around her and her man. So I know that was interesting. She was so sweet. Mm -hmm. And so um, getting to like work with April and just really figuring out like I did not like the media pitching and placement part of PR, but I really, really liked the event work. And so um, I have an older cousin who had recently left corporate America and was going full-time into his own promotional marketing business. And, and he and his family lived down in Orlando and he called and he's just like, Jazz, are you working? And I'm like, I'm doing odd jobs, but <laughs> I wouldn't call it a career. Mm -hmm. um, and so he said, you know, come down for the summer, help me with some stuff for work, help us out with the kids. And, you know, we'll see how it goes. Like, okay. So I packed up, I moved to Florida, and it ended up being just the, the greatest experience of my life. And honestly, I feel like it, it set me on um, a trajectory for future success. Mm -hmm. um, so he had acquired um, a contract to manage um, nine HBCU football classics and... Um, music fest activations for um, a, a major um, like adult beverage brand and so I got to work hand in hand with him to figure out what all the events were going to look like what promotional items were we going to use to hire a staff um, and just really create this brand experience um, that was unique to all these different cities and you know it, it was great for helping me to like really cut my chops in the event space and then also mm -hmm. like working in the business world for him who's like a seasoned corporate professional like takes no bullshit like all love but I don't take stuff mm -hmm. um and then our main client for the brand um was like a 20-year friend of his and she was just this dynamic black woman she walked into a room and immediately commanded the attention of everyone who was in there. When she opened her mouth, she knew what she was talking about. And so between the two of them, like I really helped to, to build my own like personal brand of who I was as a professional, as someone in the business world and to be confident and assertive yes. and to not take crap. And I also, you know, learned a few words from them too. Um, for the right occasions, but um, yeah. yeah, so so that's what I did. I did it for um, a couple of years, and honestly, it was just really hard to be in Orlando because the work was so travel intensive. I probably traveled six months out of the year. Wow. So when you're moving somewhere and you're gone six months, you know, all those friends you made that one week you were here, I've forgotten about you, moved on. Mm -hmm. um, so I moved back to Atlanta. Um, and worked for the company for just a little bit longer and then um, transitioned to work for um, the healthcare nonprofit that I, I still work for almost 10 years later. 
Wow. You know what? It's amazing listening to you talk about that period in your life um, when you were heavy and building your brand in the event planning space and this uh, woman that you looked up to because you'll notice in that arena, there are a lot of men dominating that space, right? So to see a black woman in there doing it and getting some tips, that is phenomenal. What do you think is the biggest lesson that you've learned in the event planning space, Jasmine? So the thing that I took with me from all my internships, the opportunity to put in practice um, was I had um, an, an internship boss named Maya who said, listen, the first rule is tell it all and tell it fast. Mm -hmm. And that stuck with me. So when I moved into, you know, the event work, remembering like tell it all and tell it fast and like everyone is human. So no one expects you to be perfect, but there is certain level of expectation around communicating when something has happened that's outside of the plan and saying you need help when you need help or you feel like you're drowning. And so that's something that I've always kept with me um, and something that I took into that job. And the first time I really learned that, yo, you have to put this into practice. I was in Memphis. Um, we for the Southern Classic I had this binder that I kept with like all the event stuff. I had, you know, booked the, the room block for, you know, the client, all the staff. And we got there and the woman at the front desk, this is actually at the Westin downtown, I'll never forget. And I'm like, yes, we're here. Here's the reservations. And she's like, oh, we don't, we don't have that. And there, I, I, there was something that happened with the like, they didn't have the reservation for the block of time that I thought I reserved it for and needed it for. And like, you know, the boss is here, the client is here, the staff is here. I'm up here trying to like get us checked in. And so our client comes up and she's like, what is going on? And I just like melted down because it's like, this is the first. <laughs> you have one job or you have a lot of jobs but this is the first one and you messed it up already Aww. and so you know she stepped in and she handled it and was like just walk away and so later you know she didn't chastise me but she used it as a teaching moment and was like listen you have to make sure when you're doing this you do a b and c and make sure that you have your documentation and if you need help you, you need to say that and so just from one to one like she didn't sugarcoat it and she did not say oh woo 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 it's okay it was you know this was messed up but I was able to fix it and here's what you need to do in the future and so having someone be able to give me that coaching and give me that like stern moment it has stuck with me to the point where listen if somebody <laughs> is messing up something that I'm working on I'm going to tell you you're messing it up mm -hmm. I'm going to help you fix it I'm not going to say it's okay because it's not okay. <laughs> right. Like be real about it. Let's, let's just right. get it's it out the way. Okay. Um, and so I just make it a point to tell it all <laughs> and tell it fast. So even, wow. you know, in my now, if I feel like a lot of work is getting piled on me or there have been times where, you know, my boss has said, Jazz, can you take on A, B, and C? And I'll just have to say, you know what? I'm actually at capacity and I can't do that, but I can do this. 
can mm-hmm. someone help with these other things? And yeah. so, yeah, it's just, it stuck with me all these years later. Wow. And, you know, it makes me think about PR as it is today. When you think about it today, you have the impact of social media, right? So, and do you have these celebrities going on social media all willy-nilly doing probably things that we did not plan to do and the PR person has to come in and correct it? What do you think about the dynamic of social media with PR as it is today? (laughs) Social media is a gift and a curse and honestly, I don't work public relations industry because... The PR girls and guys have their work cut out for them because when everybody wanted to say something before, you know, they had to talk to their publicist. They crafted a statement. They told them what was right and wrong. And now, you know, everybody has an iOS press release. Mm -hmm. That is half the time things that they shouldn't say. And so I think that in that way, you know, social has been a gift and a one, it's given, you know, fans and brands more access than ever to celebrities and public figures but the other side of that is honestly we've gotten to know celebrities to a level that some people we don't we don't actually need to know you at this level because we we no longer like you like i'm not a fan anymore Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i just think it's it's or worse has um has kind of shattered that um, very pristine public image that a lot of celebrities were able to ma- maintain before social media was a thing, before there were phones on cameras were a thing, yeah. you know? Look, nothing is a secret anymore. And then you've given me all your juice, like, what is going on? All right, Jasmine, let's jump into uh, the political aspect of your life. I want to know, how did growing up in a military family shape your view of justice and equity? Okay, yeah. So um, I think that it, it's double sided. Mm-hmm. Um, so typically, when I think about the military and I think about the military experience, um, I think about how, you know, a lot of black and brown folks go into the military because it is a career, it is stability, it is a good life. Um, But also, you know, you're taking your kids and your family along with you for that. And not every city, not every town, community, high school, elementary is welcoming to to that black and brown family. And for my dad's like, you know, last duty station before he retired, um, we were out west, like I said, in in Washington um, at Fort Lewis, which is now, you know, Lewis McCord. Um, and so the high school that I went to was, you know, of where it was situated in terms of the military bases and the, the, you know, large Pacific Islander, um, population, you would say that our school was very diverse, um, but there were still, you know, issues at hand. Like I was in student government and I'll never forget um, the junior class council, I was a sophomore at the time, the junior class council had like a, a secret Santa gift swap. And the president of the class, of the junior class, her name is Ashley. Um, she's a black woman. And the guys had gotten her this secret Santa gift and it was a stuffed monkey. 
No. <laughs> it was. It was a stuffed monkey, and they gave it to her, and she, like, you me, I, I'll never forget, you immediately saw her face change. And she was completely offended. They looked completely clueless. Like, what's going on? Why? Like, she left. And we ended up having to have, like, you know, what was equivalent to a fireside chat where we all had to sit down and and talk about what happened and really, like, do some educating in terms of, you know, this is why this is wrong and bad and why you should never, ever do it. And honestly, to a certain extent, it, it never felt like it it fully clicked um, for the guy responsible for the gift. But being in being a military family, going back to the question with, you know, the, the thoughts of justice and equity is that. And so is not the situation where you are surrounded by people who look like you it's not the situation where you feel most comfortable but being in the family that I was in and being on that base where I saw so many different kinds of people having to work together in their battalions for the jobs that they um, were doing like you still have to speak up yeah have full self. It doesn't matter if it's the most comfortable situation or if you are in a room full of strangers. And so that's something that I've always taken with me, you know, like it doesn't matter if I actually want to be the one to say something, some, if something needs to be said, then it's up to me to take that on and, and be able to say, you know, when something is not right. Exactly. And you know what? I share share with you some of those experiences coming from a military family and, and having to go to different schools and um, facing racism right in front of me. Even at Millington High School, I had to deal with it. And I had to speak up, like you mentioned, because they act like they didn't know what the hell was going on. And I'm like, no, you don't do that. <laughs> Girl, it was a mess. But I totally empathize with you on that experience. Now, just thinking of, you know, um, the, the current uh, political realm that we're in now what do you think people should be paying attention to for this next election cycle um okay so there's a few things so i'll start start by saying my general philosophy when it comes to politics is that you know people say i'm not political i don't do politics but politics is ultimately it's people it's your community it's the things that are going to affect you and also your children and the people you like and love. So I call politics people. Um, and so the things that, that are coming up that people need to need to be aware of is, you know, we are a year out at this point from a governor's race. Um, just thinking at the state level here in Tennessee. The other thing is, um, you know, Marsha Blackburn's seat is going to be up for Senate. And I don't know about you, but I think she needs to go. No, I know she needs to go. I hate her commercial. Uh, (laughs) There is a certain donut place that I no longer go to that I really, really liked because they let her pop in and buy donuts for everybody on election day last time around. Um, so yeah, Marsha. Um, <laughs> Bust her out. 
Yes, but yeah, I mean, midterm elections are right around the corner, and I know everyone's like, well, well, there are certain people who are are less energetic or were less energetic about the Biden-Harris administration, and the thing that I always say is that, like, you know, you can have a president, just like when we had Barack Obama, but the Senate majority was Republican, so we don't, we don't get to get the ideals and the things that, you know, whoever we put in as president, those things aren't realized without the appropriate representation in the legislative branches. So I just encourage people to vote in every election, um, you know, whether that's mayor, city council, county commission, all of those. And, you know, just in terms of timeliness and, and the city of Memphis, I don't know if people are aware of everything that's going on with this Bahalia pipeline conversation. Mm. And do you know who gets to vote on the potential jeopardy of our sand aquifers and our water supply and running a gas pipeline through a primarily black community? Mm. The city council votes on that. And who picks the city council? We do. We do. And so it's not about just, it. while yes, you want to go to the polls and you want to vote, but then also hold those people accountable. If someone says they're going to do something, you are their constituent, you know, call their office, send them an email, leave a voicemail. We have to have higher expectations for the people that we put in office and hold them accountable that they're going to do what we put them there to do. And a lot of times, you know, we see people do things that we wouldn't necessarily agree with or, you know, negatively impact our communities. And that's because they don't feel like they're held to task for it. And, you know, sometimes that means that the best candidate, unfortunately, it isn't the candidate that looks like you. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that I'm a Democrat, so I'm not going to vote. I'm not going to vote outside of party lines. But I mean, yeah, I, I think that you have to look at the issues and not just the identity of, of the people that you're voting for as well. Exactly. That was a, that was a roundabout answer. <laughs> I love it. I love it, though. But it, it makes me think you mentioned with this pipeline, with water supply, just even with the disaster we just had with this weather, right? And all of yeah. these people with, with still on um, bull water alert, like, why are, not, why are we not prepared in instances like this? So that's just one example. Also, with um, the Shelby County uh, and these COVID vaccines, how they let them go, uh, expire, right? And now I, I believe, is it, is it the city, the, the county is taking over for the city or vice versa at this point? The, the city is taking over from the health department. From the health department. Like what the hell happened in that situation? That's major. That is major. Yes, it is. It's, it's major and it's critical because honestly, that's 2,400 people that aren't going to get a first dose or there's 2,400 people that aren't going to get that second dose. That's there's going to be a delay or a lag in people being able to get the vaccination that they need, which puts us one step further behind getting out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> we already got cabin fever stuck in this damn house shit. Yes, the snow did not make it better. No, Jasmine, since I mentioned this vaccine, what are your thoughts on it? Are you taking the vaccine? Do you believe in science? 
So I, I absolutely um, believe in science. And if I'm going to be honest, because that's what we're doing here. Um, I had a lot of hesitations at first, you know, like, I don't know. And I think that, you know, as black and brown people, especially as black people, there is a general mistrust, a warranted mistrust um, for public health and for, um, for the scientific community. When you look at, you know, the Tuskegee study and everything that happened there, you know, I have an aunt who went in for a routine procedure at a hospital in New York um, a few decades ago, and they they gave her a hysterectomy. No. And there is a history of, of doctors giving hysterectomies, taking reproductive organs from Black women, sterilizing them as a way to, to limit the growth uh, of our community and future generations. And so, you know, there is a warranted mistrust there, but I've done my research, you know, I, I looked into it. I, it's, it's made from RNA. So it's not, it's not a weakened version of COVID. You aren't going to get COVID from the vaccine. My aunt has taken the vaccine. I know people in my personal life who've not just had round one, but who who have had both rounds and are fine. Um, And so when I thought about it, having, you know, a mother who is over the age of 60, who I love and who I want to see often and having a mother-in-law who has stage four cancer, Mm. um, I don't want to be the person that puts their health and wellness in jeopardy because I, I, was, I was skeptical of a vaccine that has shown no reason to be skeptical. So thanks to, you know, Snowmageddon uh, 2021 <laughs> here in Memphis, um, they had a bunch of open, the health department had a bunch of open slots at the Pipkin building on Valentine's Day. And so I was able to go and wait in the line for a few hours and I was able to get round one of the vaccine. Okay. And honestly, I'm thankful for it because I'm one step closer to, to knowing that I'm not I'm not putting myself at risk and I'm not putting the people I love at risk by unknowingly spreading COVID to them. Wow, Jasmine, you may be the first person that I have talked to that 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 has had that I'm having a conversation with that has taken the vaccine. A few of my friends on social media has, and I may have asked a couple of questions, but okay, I got while I got you on here. Okay, <laughs> did you take the Moderma or Pfizer? Or which one was it? So I took round one of the Pfizer vaccine and I felt fine after I took it. My arm was sore, but honestly, I I work on a hospital campus. I take the flu vaccine every year. My arm is sore when I take the flu vaccine. So it wasn't any different from from taking the flu shot, honestly, in terms of how I felt. And no extra effects that you've noticed since Valentine's Day. Nothing extra, nothing different. No, I felt fine. And I had another friend, um, she actually just got round one and she, she works in the healthcare field. And she said, you know, she waited because she one needed to get an appointment and two, she wanted to talk to her doctor and her OB um, just to make sure that there weren't going to be any potential harmful effects for, for her and her reproductive health. And, you know, like I said, she's, she's gotten round one. But I think, you know, it's, it's a personal decision. It's a choice that everybody has to make for themselves. Mm-hmm. But I just implore people to, like, like in anything, 
um, seek out research and information from multiple sources. So if you only get your information from Fox News or if you only get your information from CNN, you're only getting one side of the story. And the same is true with the vaccine. So I think that there's a lot of information that we have access to out here. And I just implore everyone to read and do their research and make their own decision. And if you choose not to get it, then also take the responsibility not to put other people at risk, not to put other people in harm's, harm's way. You know what, I really think Jasmine is gonna get to the point where it may be mandatory soon because yeah. I've um, spoken with a PR person that um, I'm working with, I'm booking someone for the podcast, right? So they invited me to this event and uh, I said, sure, send me the details, right? I didn't know if it was inside, virtual, what we were uh-huh. <laughs> So they sent me the uh, event via e- via text, and guess what? For this event to go, you know, you have to have your COVID results before you walk in the door. Wow. <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> but I, I can understand. I can understand that whole thing. And that's just like a premiere event for, for like a celebrity, right? Oh, so think. All of these jobs, uh, employ employers, that's probably coming down the line. You got to have this tent before you walk in the door. I, yeah, I, see it coming. I mean, even look at the state of travel right now. Like, yes, everyone has you know cabin fever and is itching to get on a plane and go somewhere. But a lot of countries are instituting you know protocols where you have to show proof of a negative COVID test or you have to quarantine for X number of times in your whole X number of days in your hotel room. So I think that the writing is on the wall for, for more broad implications for having the vaccine. But I, I think that that's going to come as, as they're able to get more widespread distribution and availability of vaccines. Yeah. We're going to see how that pans out. We, you know, we may not have a choice in the long run if we have to take it or not. So definitely do your research guys. Now, Jasmine, you are a business coach. What led you to this role? Um, So honestly, uh, I feel like as with many things in my life, um, it is the steps to, to the things are, are in a lot of ways divinely um, ordered and, you know, a friend of mine, um, she left her um, her corporate job a few years ago and said, you know, she was starting a thing. And, you know, we're, we're two people who talk about any, any given number of topics. You know, we can talk about everything from, from business to politics to, you know, the, the latest ratchetry. Hey. And so she would, you know, ask me questions and, pick my brain and I, you know, have been just giving her, you know, my opinion on, on things as she was getting ramped up, um, as I've done for other friends over the years, really helping them to, to think about new ideas for growing their audience or building their customer base. And honestly, because I, I am a professional fundraiser, um, monetization is a sweet spot of mine. Um, and so my friend Diamond, who um, is the founder and owner of Friends and Co, um, really asked me if I would consider coming on board as what she brands a clarity coach um, to help small business owners get to their first 100 or their next 100 customers. And so it's really just, you know, putting a, a formal title 
and some systems around um, around stuff that I've been doing for friends for years. So, yeah. Wow, interesting. Now, I know that you are launching an IGTV show. Tell me more about the motivation behind this IGTV show. Okay, so it all started last spring, and my mom is like, yes, your sister has been having these terrible toothaches. She needs to go to the dentist. So I like call her, I'm like, what is going on with you? Why, what is wrong? Like you need to go to the dentist. And my sister's 26 and she's like, I don't know. It's really bad. She's taking a lot of painkillers. I'm like, well, why don't you go to the dentist? She's like, well, I didn't enroll for dental insurance during open enrollment last year. So I'm going to have to wait. And she's a teacher. So she's like, I'm going to wait until the fall when school starts and they have open enrollment again. And in my mind, as someone who like has always been like, I need to have insurance. Like yeah. I, I can't be out here hanging if something <laughs> happens. I'm just like, my head is exploding, but she doesn't respond well to that. So I'm like, okay, um, you know what? I have a, a friend and former, you know, girl I know from school. Um, let me, she's a dentist. Let me call her. I'll see if she can see you. I know that maybe she might have some some options for people that don't have insurance. So I like, you know, called her. I talked to my friend and she's like, oh, well, I, you know, you can get this specific um, like credit card that's for medical expenses. And they have a very generous like interest rate or like six months, same as cash type of thing. So if she needs to have her consider this. So helping my sister work through the situation ended up she needed a root canal. And so after she like had the original appointment with the friend of mine, one of my Spelman sisters, um, Zarita, she had to go see an oral surgeon to get the root canal and then go back to Zarita to get everything finished. It cost thousands of dollars that it wouldn't have cost her if she had dental insurance. And so, you know, we went back and forth talking about dental insurance. And then as I've been on this journey to like be debt free, um, I've just been like talking to her about like the importance of, you know, eliminating consumer debt and, you know, the methods that I use to, to get rid of my, uh, get rid of my debt, all of that. And so all of that just boiled down to like all of these conversations that I don't feel like, um, I don't feel like people are inherently having every day. Mm -hmm. And so we talked about it and we're like, I'm like, we should do a little like IGTV show. And so the show is, is called listen sis. Um, it has I love that title. Title. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> but I think that like, I, while I am, I am very type a like corporate America. My sister is a teacher. She, you know, give the sound baths and yoga meditation and you know cbd tea and all of these things to like really lean into her like her rest and her downtime but she also like sends me all the best tiktok videos because i have tiktok but i don't know what to do with it mm -hmm. and so just really an opportunity for us to have this like sharing and exchanging of of information and knowledge from two very different perspectives um so yeah so it, so it just, sounds like you two are gonna <laughs> balance each other out you know so has it already launched it has not um we are still um developing all of our content and really getting our plan together for show format so the plan is to launch this spring 
I am looking forward to it, Jasmine. It sounds like it's going to be very interesting and entertaining as well. <laughs> wow. So lastly, what I want to ask you, Jasmine, um, you know, just in your personal space, um, you know, since like we've mentioned several times, COVID, 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 it's still here, still a part of our lives. How are you moving forward with your life and with the impact of COVID? I know you've taken a vaccine. Um, I mean, do you feel like you can get out more because you've taken it or are you going to move differently because you've taken it? Like, just tell me your whole um, world with COVID. How, how has that affected your life? You know what? Um, COVID has honestly affected every aspect of my life. Um, professionally and what a lot of people um, in the like business and, and tech space have said, which I found to be true, is that COVID has accelerated changes that were maybe five years down the line when it comes to like technology and shopping and how people do business and how they work. Um, and so having just that rapid transformation happen really without warning, um, it caused a lot of businesses and organizations, even nonprofits to have to react to that change. So, um, you know, it, for me, our, our organization has been going through a restructure and it accelerated changes that I think probably were a little bit further down the line. So, um, I have a new job uh, by virtue of that and a new team to work with and a new role to learn. And so that, that's how it has affected me um, professionally. Personally, I, I'm thankful um, that I know very few people in my day-to-day -day life that have been impacted by COVID. But I lost one of our like very cherished coworkers. Um, she was older and she retired. Um, last summer, and she passed away of COVID shortly, um, shortly before the holiday season. She was in the hospital, she was on a ventilator, um, and she, she ended up losing her battle with COVID. And, you know, over the last, I say like six, seven months between my family and my husband's family, we've lost four loved ones, not due to COVID, but the way that you're able to to grieve and mourn and celebrate the people that you love when they transition is very different in COVID. Um, and so having to, you know, do that in a mask and say, you know, we can only have 40 people or, you know, this has to be graveside in the middle of winter, you know, all of those things, I feel like impact how you're able to, to express grief and loss. Mm. Um, and so that, that's kind of how it has impacted me personally on a, on a much more trivial level. Uh, I have a, a milestone birthday um, and mm -hmm. my wonderful husband had surprised me. We were taking a trip to Paris for 10 days. And oh, la, la. Well, it's, it's currently canceled. Oh. <laughs> because... COVID. You cannot come and actually if you do, nothing is open. So thank you, but no thank you. So that's something that you know, it ha is being delayed. It's on the back burner. Um, yeah. So yeah, COVID has, has absolutely impacted every area of my life, but the, because I, I won't make it all, you know, a, it rained, COVID rained on my parade. I will say that the gift 
of COVID and being at home and being on lockdown is, you know, I've always traveled for work for the entire time my husband and I dated. Like, he has not, like, it, it's just accepted. I'm going to be gone this day to this day. Can you drop me off at the airport? Can you pick me up? Well, for the first time in the five plus years we have been <laughs> together, like we had 16 consecutive weeks of waking up and seeing each other and going to sleep and seeing each other That's and spending a lot of time in between together. Yes. And that is very different. And I'm not going to say that it was all roses and sunshine, but the right. one thing I'll say is, you know, it gave us the opportunity to, to build to, to build our relationship even better, to make it yeah. stronger, to have that quality time together and to really be able to see each other through like the, the tough spots mm-hmm. that, that COVID has produced. I, I think it's also given people a chance to sit down for better or yes. worse. Yes. People have to sit down and, you know, I think we're all guilty of busying away some of our stuff you know I'll deal with this later I don't have time to talk about this now because I have a b c d thing to do and so COVID has forced I think a lot of people self-included to really look in the mirror um at the stuff that we've been running from and do the hard work whether that's internally with ourselves or that's externally with our our relationships or you know, what we do for work or what our passions are. Um, it's just, it's been a magnifying glass on, on all the squeaky wheels and, and bro- Look, right at the end, <laughs> I got you back, Jasmine. Um, it ended on all the squeaky wheels, but I definitely feel you on what you're saying about COVID because it has definitely brought my family unit closer together. Spending more time with my kids now. I'm working from home. I see my husband more. Like when I think about it, I was going, 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 going. Wouldn't sit my ass down nowhere. I had to go to the next gig and the next gig. And 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 this was a really good break for me. Even even though I'm I'm feeling some cabin fever this was a really good sit down moment. And like you said, evaluate those things that I've been neglecting, working on some projects that I need to, you know, so I feel you on that. I'm glad you and hubby could spend some more, you know, some quality <laughs> time together, you know. Yes, me I too. I to a baby shower soon. A, a, virtual, <laughs> a virtual baby shower or something like that. Look, a virtual baby shower. That sounds crazy, don't it? Look, she laughing hard. <laughs> oh my God. Some friends had a virtual baby shower last week. Did you attend? You know what? I did not get on Zoom. I sent my gift. I sent our gifts in advance, but I haven't participated in a virtual bridal shower already. I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to send my love in the form of this gift, and I'm not, I don't want to log off for this. Yeah, it's too many logons now. I, I had a friend that got married and, and and it happened like so quick. I had forgot to log in. I was like, oh, I felt so bad. I was like, uh, I need that registry link, like you said. Let me send this gift. Yeah, I'm <laughs> my love in the form of a gift, but I'm yes. on Skype all day during the week. So I generally try to take some time away from Zoom on the weekend. <laughs> 
I got you. I got you. Well, Jasmine Wilson, I have definitely enjoyed you today on the Verbally Effective Podcast. We have learned so much about you. I think that you are amazing. And this entire business coach realm you're getting into, I can already tell you're going to be extremely successful with that. Um, I may be needing to call you up for a few things, especially about monetization, as you mentioned. I receive hey, it. I receive it. Look, look. look. <laughs> Look, uh, it's so many ways that you can monetize, but I'm sure you probably have thought about some things I have not thought about. So I need to pick your brain a minute. (laughs) Yes, well, I wish you nothing but success. And thank you so much for being my guest today on the Verbally Effective Podcast. If you would, please give everyone your social media handles and how they can keep up with Jasmine Wilson. Yes, yes. Okay, so I don't tweet but I do have a Twitter and um, but I spend most of my time on Instagram. So by all means, follow, check me out. Um, I'm watch J, just the letter J work on Instagram. I am Jasmine Wilson on um, Facebook. That's my, my fam- my most family friendly mom approved content. And um, also, if you happen to live in Center District 30 in Memphis or uh, live in Tennessee and are a Democrat, by all means, I am Jasmine Boyd, committee woman, TN District 30. Um, I have a page on Facebook. So um, you can find me there. And I generally try to keep that updated with what's going on related to the party in the state. Yes, I know you are keeping us updated, honey. We are definitely going to, you know, uh, clue in, tie into your socials. And once again, thank you so much, Jasmine, for joining me today on the Verbally Effective Podcast. Thank you, Ina. You're welcome.